games are brilliant. The physicality you can't match, and I love that feeling. Actually, it's like as soon as the whistle goes, you then have this sense of accomplishment. Really, regardless of the result, you're with your mates in the showers. All just feels well with the world. Welcome to episode four of Sam and Dan Chat. Sam, how's it going? Very well. I'm fully armed. Fully Mike armed. Is working. And recording. We're getting this down to a fine art. We sort of are. This recording business. It's um it's the fourth episode. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna do something a little bit different this one, I I would say to what we've done so far. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about the subject of sport. And oh, did you just hear did you just hear the collective eye roll? Yeah. From, from I was gonna say from all our female listeners, but that's gonna get me in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. I'm what I'm hearing is all the people who, who I grew up with are from school, are from Boys Brigade saying, <laughs> What is he doing <laughs> talking about sport on a podcast? <laughs> and uh it's a good question, I have to say. <laughs> Um, but before we get into that, um, and yes. we could be here for a few hours, couldn't we, for this episode? <laughs> before we get into that, um, do we need to do a little bit of a little bit of just talking to our listeners? I think. Yeah, assuming we've still got some. Yes, by episode four. Four. It's a it's a commitment. It's a commitment. That's probably mm, it's getting on for two hours of one's life if you've made it this far. Goodness me! Still. Um, we do need to speak to some listeners to say thank you. Is that we right? We do. I think we do want to say thanks. There's a few people who've um, who've given us some quite good feedback mm-hmm. um, on stuff like, uh, well, people have been people have been kind in saying they've enjoyed the content. Yes, which is lovely. That's been nice. That's that has been kind. Very That's kind. And there's been some people who've given us some constructive feedback, some constructive crit. There has on things like sound quality. Yeah, so the first, my granddad actually gave us a, I think it was one side of A4. It was a, it was a, it was a good sort of reflection on, on. It was a long email. Yeah. On the pros and the cons and the sound quality. So we've tried to fix that. Uh, my cousin, Archie. Archie. He also gave us feedback on the sound quality. He did. Quite extensive as well. So if you're listening. DC. And, and Archie. AT. We have listened to the people because that's what we do. And we hope it's better. We've turned it up. So that's good. That's great. I also promised to say a thanks to Paddy Middleton, mm-hmm. who I think planted the the seed of the idea for this this podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah. He I think he he could see, I think, in his mind's eye. The, be- the beauty of what has has rolled out before us. He also, I think, he particularly was seeing the kind of combination of um, thinking about theology, the Christian life, yeah, with sports stuff. So maybe this episode is a good one, particularly to say, yeah, cheers, Paddy. Thanks, Pad Thai. Well, um, <laughs> that's my pet name for for Paddy. Does he know that? Not sure. Does now. Mm. Thanks, mate. Is there anyone else? We should... No, I won't say that. <laughs> I'm intrigued. If you think you shouldn't say it, don't say it. We'll be taken off air. Hey, what's going on? Hmm. We thought... So the other thing I was chatting to Archie about, 
He said, you know what might be quite a good way to um, start your next podcast is just to talk about your day. He said, I quite like listening in and being immersed in somebody else's day. Mm. And I thought, let's try it. Did you think, that's a creepy thing to say. It's a bit weird, but he's a bit of a weird bloke. Um, <laughs> so easy. Tell us about your day. You work from home most of the time. Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I did. I was working a bit in town today because I was meeting up with somebody. Yeah. And then a bit at home. Nice. And I've been doing a bit of preparation for teaching. So I've had my head down. What does that entail, preparation for teaching? Writing notes out? Writing notes out, um, thinking about material to bring in, so opening some books. Mm. And also, for my, I was pleasantly surprised today to realise one of the things I'm teaching when I taught on before and I thought oh I've actually got some material on that so updating the old stuff just you know what what our friend Simon Ponsonby would say is <laughs> pouring on some hot gravy which you know heating <laughs> up, up the feed that's, that's, oh, uh, shout out to Simon Ponsonby by the way who has um, taken our lead and started his own podcast he has it's hasn't wonderful he? to see that we're inspiring people yeah. just four episodes in and um, that really warmed my heart this morning when I saw that. So, Simon, any tips? Come to us. Yeah. Wish you all the best with your little new little project. It sounds lovely. <laughs> new little project. Oh, as if he imagine, as if he listened to this. I doubt it. I doubt it. How's your day been, though? We my need day. to hear from you. Yeah, my day's been good. My day's been good. I cycled here from the train station. How many kilometres was that? Well, five. Um, so I had a nice run this morning and then a bike to the station and a bike here. So I feel You're just checking your, your watch to get the... Yeah, I thought it had the K on it. On the yeah. do, you need to, do you need to man- mention the brand of the watch, yeah? Or Garmin. Yeah. We are looking for sponsorship. Did 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 you have a chat with, with Fred about that? Uh, I didn't, but Fred uh, can sort us out with discounts. If you're listening, Fred. <laughs> Which he won't be by episode four. If there are um, <laughs> people, people listening who are thinking, is this podcast just about name-checking our, our, our friends and family and having in-jokes with them? That's what it's turned into. It's not that, but it just is happening at the moment. Because we couldn't think of anything to talk about in the intro section, really, could we? For Except that we still haven't heard about your day. Oh, my day? Yeah. Uh, yeah, my day was good. So I did that. And then... Um, I had some bits and bobs to get on with. <laughs> I had a not had a good meeting. <laughs> Go on. What's funny about that? Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I had a good meet, a nice meeting with a lovely man um, called John, who's our chairman, mm. the chairman of our company. So I had a nice meeting with him over lunch, and he's um, he's very interesting. He's got lots of very very good experience. He's um, in fact. I didn't even mean to do this, but this is a lovely segue into what we're going to talk about today. So John used to be on the board at Worcester Warriors. He he is um, he's he's mates with the Queen basically, but he's just finished uh, chairing the Commonwealth Games committee. What a job! Which is sporty. It is sporty. So. I think a good place to start on this would be just to uh, compare notes on our, our sporting lives because I think they <laughs> they might be a little bit different. Um, and I, I think maybe I'll start because it won't take very long. Well, okay, excluding the, the last year or so, it won't take a long. Maybe. Yeah. Because things have escalated. But start at the beginning. Because I think it'd be interesting just to hear um, that we have quite different experiences of, of involvement in sport. 
but sure. are both interested in it, perhaps in slightly different ways. Mm. So for me, um, I would say my sporting life has largely been limited to, like I said earlier, school, schoolboy, rugby, bit of football. Yeah. Um, and then boys brigade at the same time, which was a bit more football, a bit of basketball, and then uni hawk. I don't know if you ever played uni hawk. What is uni? It's like a version of hockey, but everything's plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and um, whilst the big boys play on the pitch over the, over on the other side, yeah, it's the boys brigade people. <laughs> um, I think, and I think I would say, <laughs> in terms of my level of prowess. I would say if I said I was an average sportsman, yeah, I'd be probably talking myself up. <laughs> no, I don't think that's fair. No, it I is. Think that's fair. It is. And then, um, yeah, so I stopped. I stopped doing it. I particularly, I did enjoy playing rugby. Mm. Um, I did enjoy it, but I would say at some point, I don't. I don't really. I don't really remember puberty. It maybe that it just didn't quite happen because at about year eight, year nine. You still I just felt like I'm still, yeah, I'm still waiting, yeah. Sorry, you're making a zero point. <laughs> no, the year at year nine, I felt like everyone just kept growing and I'd maybe I just paused. Ah, uh, okay. And uh, so every week I just felt I was getting yeah, a bit a bit broken to pieces, which might be the point of rugby. Uh, maybe you can tell us that. Maybe. And so I, I just stopped at that point and I uh, haven't really done much other than a bit of, a bit of gym mm-hmm. for many years. And, uh, and then with the advent of lockdown in 2020, I spent quite a lot of time with you down the park, hoofing a rugby ball around. Other than that, I'd say that's the end of my sporting autobiography. <laughs> Which we have to say was cut short by a, a terrible injury, double index finger break on both sides. <laughs> that's true. Those of you who know Dan will know about the saga that he's been through with that. Uh, so it's, that's a big dent in the confidence. So that's a good whistle-stop yeah. tour. Yes. I would say it's the only tour available. There is there is a whistle-stop tour and then there's not the kind of in-depth extended oh, okay. tour. There's just not available. <laughs> but you, <laughs> different story for you. Tell us what's the um, what's yeah. what's been your, your sporting life. Yeah. I, do, if, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I started playing, what did I start playing? Rugby, really, at school in oh maybe year seven and year eight and maybe we come on to it in a bit but it was always i started at school because club rugby was always on a sunday morning so um church dads and mums will know Mm. but that's an interesting area of um contestation so i I didn't play club rugby immediately um but we're talking about sport obviously so i I played uh, rugby growing up i played cricket growing up a lot for sanford st martin great little club Really, honestly, probably one of the most scenic clubs in Oxfordshire, I would say. Wow. Beautiful little place. I played um, cricket, rugby. I played football. I did athletics. Basically, whatever was on TV, I wanted to go and replicate and do in the garden or at school or whatever. So um, that was early years. And then I really focused in after a while on on rugby. Um, I'd say maybe year... Year eight or nine, I, I started taking it really seriously and, and played at club level as well as school. And then, yeah, moved on moved on from there. So I just took it with me, went went and played at sixth form and then um, carried on into university with, with rugby as my main, my main sport, but always an interest in all sports across the board. And I, I'm not any good at really at any 
in the other sports. I wasn't great at rugby, but I'd, I'd give a give a good crack at anything. And I loved, um, I love the, I love running and cycling and all that kind of individual stuff as well as mm. as the team stuff. So, yeah, on the whole, bit of a bit of a sports nut. Um, I love it. It's probably my one main love in life, other than my wife and Jesus. I think you've covered all the bases. Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> um, just to bring a little balance, it is worth saying you were captain of the rugby team when you were at uni and then you've represented Oxford University, which is, that is no mean feat, either of those things. Uh, yeah, true. So Asterix is that, Asterix is I have represented Oxford, didn't get a blue, unfortunately, but I did represent them many times. Yeah. Across two years, so that was good. Yeah. So quite di- we have quite a different um quite different experiences there in terms of like growing up. And yeah. So yeah, certainly my mates from growing up would would have been surprised if I wanted to sit down and watch a football game with them. Mm. Um so I've I've changed a bit. Um so I was never the sports not you were. One thing I'm interested in, why what do you know why you why you chose rugby? I mean, having seen photos of you as a kid. Yeah. There's maybe there is a suggestion that your physical <laughs> physical attributes suit you to rugby. <laughs> uh, was it was it was it that like just being suited to it because you're quite a big, big chap, or or was it also a bit of just the game that particular game over, say football or cricket, whatever appealed? Yeah, I think a uh, mix of factors. Probably my physique helped. I was a big buffer growing up, <laughs> and uh, in fact, my my granddad bought me a Chelsea kit, and he was football mad. And his football man. Yeah, he likes. He's like me. He loves all sports, but football's his main thing. So he got, he got me a Chelsea kit, and he tried. I think he tried quite hard to get me into football. But my dad um, really liked rugby. He played rugby growing up with his brother, um, and so that would be the main the main sport we would talk about or, or watch. I remember watching like the two thousand and three World Cup. In, that's when we won it in Australia and that was one of my earlier memories I guess what so that day. was always on with my dad and um, yeah I grew up sort of going to Twickenham a few times with him and, and then in school a lot of my mates played and and we just I just ended up in that circle of friends I guess and then I went to play club rugby because they were all playing club rugby as well so that's is good and it, I think it's probably not a secret that um, rugby is pretty pretty big for both of us. So yeah. I um, I did go when I was young. Having said I wasn't a sports nut, I did go to watch Leicester Tigers quite a lot with my dad. Yeah, and was around uh, for people who are interested in the history of sport. Just <laughs> maybe not that many people, but <laughs> I was around. I was around like watching it and the kind of the dawn of like when rugby went professional in like the late 90s yeah. so I can remember going before it was professional and it wow. would be like you, my dad would be pointing out like there's Dean Richards um, he's playing rugby now and tomorrow morning he's off back to be a policeman or like so and so is here he's going to work in the bank tomorrow or whatever um, and so it was it was like a really classic era of, of Leicester Tigers yeah. and I got I, at home I've got like a rugby ball that's signed by the squad of I don't know what, what year probably would have been about like 95, 96, 97. Wow. People who no one would have heard of now, like Les Cosworth, Dusty Hare. Dusty Hare. What underhooks were they? Were they a bit later on? Um, 
they were around. So the Underwood brothers were, I loved them growing yeah. up. Like they were, so that was like the time of like growing up. But then Leicester won the Heineken Cup, I think in 1997. I can remember that quite well. Wow. So I did, I did care about it in that way. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and that was definitely like bequeathed from my dad. And my uncle also is really into rugby as well. It's funny, isn't it? I think you just, you do just pick it up. Because at that, at that age, whatever your dad likes. You, you like, like, yeah. Yeah. My mum likes rugby as well. That's a good point. But she likes it because of the short shorts. And the bike sets. They <laughs> 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 watching you. Uh, she, She's always asking me to see pictures of me playing rugby and stuff. It's a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> So uh, this leads us on to something we did want to talk about, which is why is sport so compelling? And I mean, the answer to rugby is that it's probably the best sport in the world. But generally, sport. Yeah. Why? What is it about about sport that it is? It is like a universal thing, isn't it? Like you can go anywhere in the world. Yeah. You could probably get anywhere in the world and say David Beckham, and people would be like, Yeah, yeah, David Beckham. Yeah. Like even if you know, even if the English isn't their language, like. But I think probably particularly football, can you go anywhere in the world and find a place that doesn't know it? Like, what? how is that sport? Why is it so universal? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what, if there's one answer. The, I think, I think an interesting parallel to draw is with religion, actually. I know that sounds a bit deep for sport, but I do think I do think it goes that deep, particularly with football. So you mentioned football, and everyone all around the world knowing football isn't. There's not a country that wouldn't recognise it. And I think when you look at, I mean, we've we've watched documentaries together. Things like um, Sunderland Till I Die, yeah, amazing documentary. There's one just out about Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds um, buying Wrexham. When you look at those kind of things and you watch that, you you makes you realise that actually football in isolation, but perhaps all, all sports to some extent, are, are sort of quite religious for some people. Yeah. And it holds that that place in people's lives, I think, for many. And that's um, identity and belonging and a kind of slightly odd tribalism at times, I think. Like a cause... Yeah, it's a cause. Yeah. You get behind your tribe at the weekend, and I guess you think of the old, the the old days. I was going to say for you, it's sort of growing up as a teenager. For me, <laughs> but you know, places like Leicester or um, we maybe we we're maybe slightly sheltered from it in Oxford. I don't think we have quite the same relationship with sport, but it's particularly when you move north with football and rugby league. Yeah, and you'd be you'd be working all week long. And maybe Monday to Wednesday you'd be talking about the game just gone and on Wednesday you start talking about the game coming up at the weekend and everyone would be in and around the stadium, everyone would be listening in on the radio if they could or whatever it was and it life seems to revolve around football or rugby yeah. league or whatever it, it might be for many. So I think I think it part of it is that it holds this this religious um, status, if you like, for many yeah. that that um, embodies itself in loads of ways, but you only have to look at the TV on a Saturday and see people at the football going absolutely nuts. Devotion to see quite how deep it is. Yeah, and you hear the phrase "more than a game" banded around a lot, don't you? And yeah, it you really do. is. And like going to worship in the great cathedral of Old Trafford or whatever. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. The theatre of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> You've played in a few of those. <laughs> the other thing there is, isn't it, I just thought of this, isn't it true, like the the classic, like the quintessential English village is built around like the parish church, yeah, the pub, and the cricket, cricket green. Club. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, completely. Yeah. It's like what you expect on the postcard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, definitely. I wonder, here's a theory of mine. I don't know if there's anything to this. Okay. Um, uh, maybe someone somewhere has done like an actual history of sport, but I have a theory which is that it is it, as a sports social function, like now you're saying about like belonging and like tribe and a, a cause and stuff, is, is sport almost a bit like combat? Or like like the idea of fighting for your country or something. So particularly if you're playing like international sport, like you're representing your country, you sing the national anthem, you go on to like fight, if you like, against another team. You've even got like a captain. Yeah. Which is like military language. Yeah. And you've got offensive play, defensive play, or offense and defense, <laughs> if you prefer. Uh, like tactics, territory, yeah, completely. Like objectives, like if you, I guess in battle, like you have objectives. You gotta like take a certain, yeah, you know, you take a certain outpost, or whatever, where you know, and in a lot of sports, you have those like objectives: score a goal or whatever field position. Physical jeopardy, like battle, like you put your the rugby phrases, you put your body on the line, yeah, all of that stuff. You always Skill. play harder when you know your girlfriend's watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... Skill. Skill. And, and, and uh, players in different positions being skilled at different things. Yes. Just like the, just like an army. So I'm just thinking, like, maybe you follow it through from, like, battle. I'm thinking of, like, through history. Like, then, like, the gladiators in the Colosseum. Yeah. And then, like, um, the chariot racing. Which, oh, yeah, so ultimately it became sport. and became sports. Then, you like, even in medieval times, you've got, like, jousting, which is... It is fine. Charging at someone on a horse with a spear or javelin or something. And I was also thinking about you know, there's medieval village games where they do stuff like roll a barrel down a hill and everyone chases it. And it's like yeah. Aussie rules football or something. Or and like, I think that's how football started. They had to, it was a maybe, well, it is pigskin, isn't it? Originally, like pig's blank. They had to get it from one village to another. Yeah. And it was village on village and people would die. There would be, <laughs> they were on, there would be stabbings. And it, because people would carry little knives in those days and whatever, and that was they were the early early days of football, mm. I think. Or Millwall today. Millwall is it Millwall? It is. He's particularly Millwall West Ham. A bit naughty. Um, so is, there, is there yeah. something in that like, kind of battle, like combat? I think I definitely think that. I definitely think that. I think it's um, it's like some kind of outlet for this pri- weird primal thing that maybe we. <laughs> people we have yeah in us but um it 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 replicates the the camaraderie the team togetherness that kind of partisan thing where you're you're with your tribe and they're with their tribe and and you sort of go out and go at it for 80 minutes whatever i definitely think that there's there's an underlying thing there isn't there and it's interesting um I don't want to admit to too much of this, but I do look on like Leicester Tigers fans like Facebook group and stuff. Look on or run. I don't run it. <laughs> I'm Yet. not an admin. <laughs> yeah. You're on the committee. 
<laughs> you definitely are. I got the PCC, mate. You're going for you're going for leadership next year. I I know. I keep I keep away. I just just sometimes look. Just dip in. Just, and what you see is people. So like the news of the last the last few days when we're recording is one rugby club wasp has just gone into administration. So massive trouble. Like awful. Hundred and sixty something people like yeah. losing their jobs. And people are posting stuff on, on these like fans forums, which is like completely like inappropriate, like hooray wasps are going down sort of thing. It's like I I, I don't know. That's maybe taking the whole kind of uh combat thing a bit too far and the type it's too tribal. Well, we should, and we should say that's tame because when you look at football yeah. Yeah. it is that's another level, isn't it? Yes. And that that gets really quite serious. To the point of physical violence off off yeah. the pitch. Yeah. Which is weird because they're so they're spectators and a lot of the trouble in that comes from spectators. It's not on the pitch. So that's an interesting all, parallel. Usually well. all the ball players in most sports are gonna sort of shake hands at the end, aren't they? And yeah. So it's like as if as if maybe in not so much in rugby but in football that that battle element seems to have come off the pitch. Yeah. And and but maybe that maybe that highlights this tribal idea where you're part of a crowd and that's your crowd, that's your team. And they those those eleven represent you on a Saturday. Yeah. But really you're all part of this same driving thing. And it is interesting that you were talking earlier about the different uh, re- like regional differences. So like with rugby, rugby league is big up in the north of England. Mm. I think that touches on a whole load of other stuff to do with like the history of like British class system and religious oh, yeah. stuff. So stuff like stuff like um, local derbies have a bit of electricity around them, don't they? Lee? When you have two teams in the same area playing together, but then you've got stuff like Rangers Celtic in football, where you've got political yeah. and religious ish stuff coming into it, like yeah. a Protestant and a Catholic club, and the the football the football is just one representation of a massive, like, whole life-wide tribe mm. and rivalry and actual genuine conflict. Mm. So that's just really interesting. And I, I that might be a bit... I don't know if that's maybe a bit unique in mm. British... I don't know whether it'd be different. I know if you were like... What's the, um, the football El Clasico? What's that? What is it? Yeah. What, what, I think who, who, who are the teams? I think I want to say Barcelona, Real Madrid. Yes, I think it is. I don't know if that, for example, has the same any of the same like wider sociological implications, or whether it's just it's a it's a great game and it's a classic. Yeah, based yeah, off. yeah. I don't I don't know about that, but maybe listeners will like to write in. Like to let us know, football experts. Yeah, that is really interesting. Or even teams like Everton, who were, were a church team. Uh, yeah, and so they started as as a church team playing mm. other churches, and that's actually quite common, isn't it? For a lot of sports teams, that's how they began as a kind yeah. of the church being involved in local community, doing kind of community cohesion stuff and all of that. Yeah, I didn't know that about Everton. Yeah, there's a couple of I, Everton. The only one I can say off the top of my head, but I know I know there's a couple of top flight teams who started as church teams for mm. sure. Um, I guess Northampton Saints in rugby. I bet, if, but uh, I'm pretty yeah, certain but, there is a kind of church connection. In yeah, history, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, there's there's more links than maybe we realise, isn't there? Hmm. 
What do you think, having done so much of um, sporting prowess, what what um, <laughs> what do you reckon be uh, some of the benefits of being involved? So, I mean, we could talk about the, be- the benefits of being a fan, which are probably less. This is really enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but what would you say the benefits of involvement like in the way you've been involved like playing mate where do you start with that there's uh, there's so many there's so many probably some that are uh, untold until until you have the benefit of hindsight actually mm. obviously physical fitness is a huge thing and that's maybe why a lot of people get into sport in the first place and try and get moving and get physical um, that that's I suppose that's a particular element of rugby, isn't it? So you're depending to the level you play, the condition you maybe need to be in will um will vary, but that, that requires a certain level of physical fitness. I think that's a huge thing. Um but I think it's the it's maybe the stuff outside of that. It's the what we were what we were getting at earlier, the the team the team um nature of the game, the camaraderie, not for all sports of talk, of course, but I'm talking about team sports. Um, that's the thing that when I look back on and I'm playing less and less, that's the thing I miss, I think. So the friendships, the shared experience, um, that, that bond is quite unique, I think. And you can talk to most people who've been in a team sport for any length of time in the same team. And I think... You can go through things with friends, can't you? And you have shared experiences with friends and with family. And but the, the the unique thing about sport, and maybe it's the maybe it's that battle element. I don't know, but it's the f- the physical side of it. It's quite hard to replicate. So, so like, that might be, it might be you know your your mates in a scrap, and you're diving in and and uh, getting involved in and getting out. And unless you're out in Oxford on a Saturday night like you Hames you probably can't replicate that um, just on the street yeah. but yeah I've, I've seen you and a couple of others from church out and about so um, so that's it I think that's a huge thing and then from there you have these kind of shared experiences that that you just you can't really create elsewhere and I, don't, I can't really put my finger on it but you know you think you can think back to particular games and particular phases in particular games with your mates and everyone will, everyone will remember or they'll say, oh yeah, you know, 20 minutes ago and that happened or that happened. So I think that's incredibly unique and a, and a massive positive to, to come out of it. And then maybe there's, maybe there's elements that transfer even across to working life and setting your alarm at ridiculous o'clock to get up for the gym yeah, and get in there or just sort of cracking on when you feel a bit grim and horrible. Um, and moving through that, the, the discipline, the sort of timekeeping cliche stuff that you hear a lot. But I, I do think all of that's true. And it, if you play maybe for long enough and you play as you grow up, it sort of instills instills those behaviours in in you. I think, and then you just you just carry that over with you. So, yeah, I think I think there's a whole span of things. Like I say, I'm probably still discovering some of them really. Sometimes you think, well, I wonder why I do that. I wonder why I think about that in that way. And like, you can probably root it back to to sport a lot of the time. Yeah. That's very interesting. I, th- I I think it's interesting as well that there's, 
there's always a structure that you're in. So if you're playing sport, you know there'll be there'll be rules that you have to you have to play by, and you have to kind of internalize those and live within them. And mm. you, you learn to exercise you learn to exercise all your skill and express all of your the kind of passion and exuberance of wanting to so in rugby go out and make big hits on people or something yeah but you know you, do, you have to do that within the rules yeah and you've got a referee watching you've yeah. got a captain who's telling you don't just don't just go randomly off doing your own thing we've got yeah we've got a, a game plan to stick to or whatever so that's just really interesting all those things as well like, again probably for work and mm-hmm. uh, maybe even like family I don't know yeah probably all kinds of applications of some of those skills yeah, yeah. I think um, even even something like, I don't know, a board meeting or a presentation or something like that, I think you can't, the closest you can get to maybe replicating that kind of thing is is a pre-game nervousness of, of a preparation up to a point of then delivery. So you, you prepare, you train, if you like, um, you do your notes for the presentation, you, you practice, and then it comes down to a little hours window where you have to deliver in order to get a result. So, and that that bit, so the bit that you see as a as a fan watching or a, or a mate on a chilly <laughs> chilly yeah. November night down Ifley Road, yeah, the bit that you see is a t- a small part of. Mm the experience of the person he's playing, I guess. So you were talking about the friendships on the camaraderie being on a team. You've got the however many minutes out on the field doing the, the game, but you've also got all that prep you've done together. Yeah. Um, the early mornings with tackle bags and... Yeah. Yeah, completely. And then getting what in a... Uh, getting in the ice bath together at the end of it as well. Yeah. Or the shower, whatever your preference is. But the... Um, but in, so I was thinking about this the other day maybe this morning even I don't know what goes on in my head but this morning I was thinking actually the games are brilliant and you play against some great players and the oh, the physicality you can't match and I love I love that feeling actually it's it's for me it's probably different for different people you ask but for me when the it's when you finish and it's like as soon as the whistle goes you've then had this you've got this sense of accomplishment of course your body's up pretty knackered and in bits but it's a really weirdly nice feeling yeah. because you then really regardless of the result you're you're with your mates like you said in the showers you just like maybe have a beer maybe see your family and it I don't know there's there's all sorts of things tied up with it nostalgia and you know like autumn evenings or autumn Saturday afternoons as the sun's going down and you really feel like oh, yeah, I've, I've actually worked really hard there for a an hour and 20 and I feel like regardless of the result I've achieved something and yeah um I don't know it's a it's an intangible thing but all just feels well with the world and you can go home and have a bath and have three bits of crumble if you want because you've earned it (laughs) (laughs) I don't know it's incredibly unique but yeah that's that's pretty special um and I guess there might be people listening who haven't or don't have a, a great interest in sport and it's almost maybe a bit almost difficult to quite imagine that mm-hmm. so I, I know like having not played loads I, I, I know enough to know what you're talking about not on the I think not on the same level 
that I know enough to know what you're talking about. And I, I would compare it to maybe something like, even if you just, lots of people might not do a lot of sport, but might say do running or something. Yeah. Or go down the gym on the treadmill or something. And there is something like it when you, you know, when you your mind's telling you, you could make this five kilometer run into a three if you just turn here and go yeah. back a bit early. And you yeah. go, no, I'm out for five and I'm sticking with it, even though my, my head isn't in it and my legs are sore and my lungs are screaming, whatever. Um, and you keep going, you push through that, that little feeling of, I did it. Yeah. That's quite. That's something like it, isn't it? It's, it's the closest thing I can imagine. Yeah, but I guess there might be people listening who wouldn't even do that. True. There's something unique about physical exertion, isn't it? And that's a, a bit of a unique thing. Yeah, completely. I think there's a few things tied in that, and um, I know a good mate of both of ours, Dwight, who's a personal trainer, talk a lot about this kind of thing with him. We talk about how running in particular for for some reason is quite a humbling experience for a lot of the time and you see people watch a marathon and you see people do these extreme challenges and you go out and after 1.6k you're absolutely blowing and you think oh my word I've got a long way to go but it's, it is quite humbling mm. it's quite a humbling thing it sort of puts you in place but that that 3k into 5k that kind of mindset is an interesting one I think that also the maybe maybe highlight some negative connotations that we can associate with sport so there's we mentioned all the good things that can come from it from a sports player's perspective I think there's that there's some maybe slightly more dangerous things that can Hmm. come about as well actually yeah what we don't often hear about too much do we yeah what are you thinking Um, no just when you're talking about that the 3k into a 5k sometimes for me when I'm particularly when I'm when I'm running, I'll think, well, I could just turn this six into a seven. Or, oh, well, I did 6.2, so should we chew it? I could top it up. And I sometimes I will, but I make the point sometimes of catching myself and saying, well, no, actually, I set out to do that. Yeah. So I'm going to stick to that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep pushing beyond what I decided to do. I think, and I don't, I don't know why I do it. I think some people would say every time I go for a run, I push beyond what I expected to do. and Maybe that's fine. But I think that begins to border on a territory where you, you're becoming ultra competitive, almost obsessive. Yeah. Um, and that's quite an easy spiral to get into, I think, with something like sport, with something like running, which is so stats-based and time-based and you're running against yourself a lot of the time really, to beat your 5k PB, to beat your 10k PB, whatever it is. You could go out every morning and say, I want to beat it, I want to beat it, keep going, keep going. And yeah. before long, I guess it becomes it becomes quite obsessive in that sense. Yeah, a kind of perfectionist. A, this perfectionist. I yeah, mean, yeah. to be theological, you could almost be like, it's almost a sort of salvation by works thing. Like the, yeah. point, the point of my life is to always just be improving myself and I don't feel good I don't feel good about my life unless I'm always hitting new goals improving yeah. myself like that isn't a Christian way to live there's a there's a healthy thing which says it's good to it's good to improve and it's good to be healthy all of that but maybe if you if we're being totally driven by self-improvement in any area of our life like it could be work or yeah um it could be anything but in sport there's another one or running or whatever 
yeah, that that is potentially a, revealing something dangerous inside us that we're not we're not resting in Jesus being everything for us, and we have to kind of take it all into our own hands and mm. improve ourselves. Mm. Dieting would be maybe another yeah another example of that. And it's tied in quite closely, isn't it? Dieting and um, yeah, body image and yeah, all Which, the rest of that. I think that's a whole other. That could be another episode. Do you think that is a whole other episode? Because that's a that's a, a big conversation. Maybe we should look at that. Um, so I think there's that uh, obsessiveness that can quite quite easily creep in. And when you look at the top top sort sportsmen in in the world in their in their areas, mm. so Federer, um, Hamilton, uh, Stokes, Maro, Toje, yeah. The, they George Ford <laughs> top notch top I mean he like, is I'm joking but I'm not as well anyway upset. they are obsessed aren't they yeah and I think you hear interviews about people around them and and their families and that kind of thing and it's a life devoted to that they are they are completely obsessed yeah. and that's why they're where they are because and, they have that mindset and we've just seen with like Federer retiring I don't know how old he is but it doesn't it doesn't last for very long no like because your body's only at peak in like what early 30s yeah and in well, some yeah, in some sports you're pretty running. much out yeah yeah I think the youngest guy so going back to that Worcester story the youngest guy to get the oldest guy to get re-signed was 28 yeah interesting and after that I think he's probably just about over the horizon yeah so it's a dangerous thing to like peg your whole identity and security on because by the time you're my age well, you'd be long gone I I mean I am long gone I was long <laughs> gone when I was 14 <laughs> but they had the there's um, I think Brian O'Driscoll who used to play for Ireland sent great centre for Ireland mm. and the Lions and um, he did a documentary recently about I, I want to say it was called After the Raw and it was about sportsmen retiring mm. And losing, not only do you stop playing in front of thousands of people each week, but you lose that that obsession, that necessity to be at training every single day is suddenly not there. So, yeah, if you, if your life's built on that, it's, it's, it must be really, really tough yeah. to then to then get away from that. I think. Um, I mean, we probably need to wrap up in a few minutes. Um, I think a recognition of that, like giving sport its its place, so like saying, no, there is a time to stop or whatever. Yeah. I think that relates to why it's, we can say like it's a good thing. Because I guess there might be some people listening who are like, is what we've talked, you've talked about possible downsides of sport, like is not one of the downsides of it <laughs> that it's pointless. Do I mean it's like what what does it matter who wins a football game or whatever? Like yeah. why do people care? Yeah. And I just I was I was just thinking about this and I remembered that I once read a really good article on a Christian view of sport by a guy called Lincoln Harvey. Okay. And uh, he just made a really good point which is that to be involved in sport to enjoy it is like it's a healthy thing cuz it reminds us that we're creatures who we exist because God chose for us to exist, like we we didn't have to exist, like we we are kind of unnecessary, but good. Mm. Like only God is the only the only one who needs to exist and does exist in and of Himself. Whereas we are like we're like optional for the for the universe and like yeah. Um, 
he was saying, so sport is a good thing to do because it reminds us a bit of what we are as creatures, that it's sport is unnecessary, but it's good. Yeah. And it's like some kind of reminder to us, a kind of expression of our, our creatureliness, that you've got this thing which has, like we said, it's got rules and structure, objectives. It can bring out our passion, feelings, care and stuff like that. And it doesn't, it, it's not ultimate. And that's quite a good thing for us to yeah. do. Like, and maybe playing at anything, actually, like any kind of playing around is good. Like, even board games, Hensy? Nah, not, <laughs> <laughs> not, not Settlers of Catan. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. That is, yes. No, I think in theory, yeah, in really theory I agree. I don't like Settlers of Catan, but in theory, yeah. That is a. It's a reminder. If, if in you that think way. everything in your life has to be like massively meaningful and like yeah. of great importance, you maybe you're taking yourself a bit too seriously. Yeah, yeah. So just go and watch some rugby. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I thought it, it was makes, a good that article. Makes a lot of this, that's really interesting. For me to tie it in to to, um, to faith, I I love. I love all the sporting narratives. I watch any sports documentary because I think part of what is so good about sport is story mm-hmm. and getting almost getting lost in that. So that touches a bit on what you've what you yeah. said there. And that's been a big thing with like Drive to Survive. That's really oh, so good and stuff, isn't it? All of that phenomenon. What's the other ones that we watched before? All or nothing. All or nothing. Yeah. And then that fly on the wall stuff where you're seeing like the back and forth between coaches and and all. I don't know something about that just just gripped me, and I could watch that. I could just watch that all the time. Um, so I. But then the more I th- have thought about that and the storyline, I think. I think we love we love stories as as they are. The best stories are when you have underdog teams or when you have um, an FA Cup run and a team makes it all the way through and they they beat Arsenal and City and United to get to the final and they have to they borrow all of the kit and the balls from the clubs they've beaten because they can't <laughs> afford it but they end up at Wembley or whatever or you get like Harlequins down thirty one five at half time and they come back and win it or whatever it is. The story behind um, the story behind it when there's an underdog, yeah, I, I love it, and I think other people really engage in those stories when something's down and out, um, and it rises to ultimately become victorious. Yeah, I mean, does that remind you of anything <laughs> as a Christian? Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that's uh, yeah, you could over spiritualize it or, or whatever. Maybe it's a bit too deep, but I do think as Christians, or maybe it just as as humans, we are. But there's this presupposition that we just love that narrative yeah. and that storyline, and that hope is lost. Uh, you know, it's a it's a dark day, and then, bang, out of nowhere, yeah, the it's back, and and yeah. we're victorious, and it's emotional, and it's incredible, and we can't believe it. Yeah. But it's true, and it's actually happened, and we want to tell everyone the story. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It and, you know, yeah. oh, where have you seen this? Wow. It is, uh, but I think that, I think you're right. We we like it, because that is the story of everything. Like, from Genesis 1, as soon as you've got evening, then morning, like, not, we would go, like, the day goes morning to evening, like, light yeah. to dark, yeah, but yeah, yeah, Genesis yeah. tells us the way around is evening, dark to morning, light. Yeah. Like, Death and resurrection. It is that is just, that is the story of everything. We can't not tell another story, even if we're just kicking a ball around. 
And but that runs through everything. That's yeah. sport. But then as we've been talking, I'm thinking movies. I think yeah. even The Incredibles, which <laughs> yeah. is one of the best thoughts. Shrek. Yeah. You know, all oh, it was going so well, and now all hope is lost. Oh, but wait, actually no. Yeah. So why do we default to that? I think. Well, I think we know. Maybe we yeah. know why we default yeah. to that. But what else can we say? It's yeah. It seems universal, doesn't it? Mm. And you've even got um, the sort of chosen one figure in a lot of, yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. figure in a lot of sports. Mourinho. <laughs> the special. Yeah. The, yeah. The chosen even one the coach. special. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of players, but the co- even the coach, yeah. We can't, yeah, we're just, we just addicted to, or we, we just even can't imagine another story than a gospel. I just think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? And it even just gets like, Projected onto sports, yeah. Oh. <laughs> What's um, in the last couple of minutes? Because we should pro- we should wrap up. We should. Do you know what? I thought this one we might struggle to fill forty minutes, no, but we could have, we absolutely could absolutely slow. We could be we could do two hours on this. I've got to get back. Katie makes my hot chocolate for five past nine, so <laughs> we're getting a bite. Oh yeah, yeah, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting cold. Um, oh, I just want to know. Um, what are the key the key dates for our sporting diaries? So now having oh, listened to them, having having listened to this now, everyone everyone is going to want to know what what do I tune into? And okay, I mean, so I'm not I'm not definitely not using Google in front of me. Well, without Google, Rugby League World Cup is on yep. right now, so that's on um, all the time, which is great. I think there's some there's some wicked teams. There's like Jamaica. Greece are in the World Cup and they had to train in secret in the mountains hidden from the police because the wow. Greek government wouldn't recognise the Rugby League um, Union. So that's really interesting. I didn't know that. So I'd recommend the, the Rugby League World Cup. That's something else. Um, Potentially a little bit niche, but that's quite good. Potentially niche. The the T20 Cricket World Cup is on at the moment. Yes. Scotland, just today, as we're recording um, on, I think it's the 17th or something, they just beat West Indies in T20. Oh, that's a, a bit historic. And then England start a bit later on. Um, so that's happening. Um, football, we, football World Cup is... Football is World Cup up. is imminent. And that's, it's that's controversial in Qatar. Yeah, so the Premier League's taking a break and then everyone's heading over to Qatar. Um I think that's November, December. I think the final is maybe the week before Christmas. Yeah. And we've we, we've got USA, we've got Wales. I think we're playing Iran in our group as well. So that'll be in November. So that's coming up. England, so all the autumn rugby internationals. Yes, these now are, we're talking. These are a bit harder because they're, they're, they all tend to be on Sky, which is a bit annoying. You haven't got Sky, but um, they do always be on... Like, I think the Oxford pub is particularly quite good at showing them, aren't they? They are, yeah. So that's actually quite a nice excuse to go to the pub. Autumn on a crisp down. autumn afternoon, which seems to be a theme of this podcast: <laughs> red leaves, golden leaves, yellow <laughs> leaves, brown leaves, blue leaves, pink leaves. <laughs> I love autumn, man. But so that that is, I really recommend watching any of those. I think the Wales and Scottish games maybe can be on terrestrial, yeah. so you can often catch them, and they're all cracking games. We've got who have we got? Australia, Japan, New Zealand, South Africa, Argentina. I think that's it, isn't it? Sorry, we haven't got Australia. We've got Argentina, Japan, New Zealand, and South Africa. So that'll be oh, that'll be a right old crunch. A ding dong. And uh, Wales have got similar. Ireland are playing similar. And we could say as well that 
Um, I don't really know dates and stuff, but at the moment, a lot of women's sport is getting much more profile than ever yeah. has done before. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the England women's um, rugby team are in playing the World Cup at the moment. Yeah. So they just beat France, which is huge. So they start, I think they smashed Fiji they first round. very well, haven't they? And they've just beaten France. France are one of the other favourites, I think. So they are going really, really strong. The Red Roses. The Red Roses. Yeah. Following, I guess, the England women football team did really, really well. Yes. Winning really, really well. They won the year. <laughs> did so well. So, well, they, they won it. Me being condescending. They actually won the thing. See, that's really on the up as well, isn't it? A lot's which happening. Is, which is awesome. A lot's happening. Um, and I'm just going to do a little <laughs> Google to make sure we've not missed anything really significant. Sports events. 2022 this is live as it happens except you're listening to it listeners sometime after with this happening but still uh oh well Digcock Dynamo's FC versus <laughs> Fun Festival of Football FC that's a big game anyway I think we've covered off most of them uh, okay that's great the F1 will be finishing off effectively if you turn a TV on Saturdays you'll be able to find something wonderful and check on BBC Sport. There's always a good place. BBC Sport notifications. Really important. Katie Ridgeway would advocate, be a massive advocate of them. Um, yeah. Well, as we close, to close, um, I wonder if we could hear your Owen Farrell impression. I thought you were going to say, as we close, shall I pray? <laughs> no, I just wanted, I wanted you to do your Owen Farrell impression uh, on, on, on the podcast. Yeah. He's quite not. He's quite northern too, but I don't want to offend any northern, sort of northern listeners. Is I think I'm thinking particularly of um, Nick Farah. So uh, Farrell sounds a bit like Nick Farah, but yeah, but he's he's quite he's quite he pronounces T's quite well, I think. Uh, but maybe I'm getting to pass out Alex Anderson now, <laughs> or is that Steve Borthwick? Nobody will understand this in if they're a rugby uh, viewer. I've got a lot to work upon and impressions. But uh, I think we did well today, Dan. I think it was a great, great podcast and I had a good time. I thought I was really proud of you and the way you went. So. That was fair. Well, that was good. Um, that's probably the worst I've ever done. But I liked it. What are we on? 54 minutes. Should we call it a day? Night, night. Thank you.